We're back. Welcome to season six of the Iron Woman podcast. I'm Rosalie, and I want to tell you, I love to bike ride. It's my favorite daytime activity. And my nighttime favorite activity is playing piano. And I'm in the middle of all of that. I like to watch TV and play video games and stuff. Support us by supporting our sponsors, Crave Jerky, F2C Nutrition, Rudy Project, and Smashfest Queen. And now, the ladies you've been waiting for, Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. Hello, and welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I know that Rosalie says in our intro that Alyssa and Haley are coming up now, but I'm sorry to tell you, not really sorry to tell you, that I, Sarah Gross, am here with Ashley Wiles, and we are on the ground in Kona, and we are going to do a little preview for you of what's been going on here in Kona. And then later on in the show, Alyssa and Haley are coming back and they have a very special guest to do some picks and race preview with you. So Ashley Wiles, how are you? I'm great, Sarah. Feisty. Okay, folks. So Ashley and I were just driving back from our interview with Meredith Kessler and we got caught in traffic from the Parade of Nations. So we decided to pull over in this lovely parking lot and record the podcast. So here we are. We are going to do a little review of what's going on here in Kona and then we're going to give you our picks. Okay. Sounds good to me. All right. So Ashley, what were your favorite interviews of the week? Okay, so yesterday we interviewed Osa Lundstrom, and she was actually one of my favorites because she's just like so feisty, but also super, super smart. She has so much to say about being a doctor and what happened last year. She just had everything to say, like totally different race strategy this year, and I really loved talking to her. And for those who don't know, where is Osa from? What are her some of her best results? She's from Sweden, and she's the only Swedish athlete. She trains in Denmark sometimes, and her best result has been a top 10 here in Kona. Nice. I think she was eighth in 2016. So that's, so that's, your, that's one of your three favorite interviews. Okay, next. I also put down Lucy Charles. Like, she just gave me, like, the feel-goods all over. That sounds weird. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. She's so like happy and like even though she's like crazy busy, she like managed to slot us in and she was just like, yeah, just like fun. Overall fun. Um, fun had dancing hula with her and she was just like really open about everything. So I really enjoyed that. Cool. And for those of us who don't know what we're talk, what interviews we're talking about, Ashley and I have been doing interviews with all the pro women and some inspiring age group stories as well on the Iron Women Facebook page. So if you haven't seen any of those, head over there and check them out. Okay, so Ashley, what was your number one favorite interview? Oh, I thought we were going the other direction. Oh, sorry. So you've already given your number one, number two. What was your third favorite interview? So I have a slash in this one. So it's Gurutse slash Menno slash Lindsay Corbin. <laughs> so there's three, his top three. This is basically Ashley's top five. Okay. So tell us why you like those three briefly. <laughs> I don't know why you only let me pick three all the time. I have lots. 
Lots of favorites. Okay, because I got to speak in Spanish, that was really cool. And I got to speak in French, and that was really cool. And then Lindsay Corbin is just, like, so kind, and she's a unicorn bike, which is really cool. What do you mean by unicorn bike? I was going to say flavor, but it's uni- <laughs> it's unicorn colored. You didn't taste her bike? <laughs> Not this time. <laughs> Super fan. <laughs> okay, with Guruti, Lindsay, and Manon. Right, the French... The French girl, she was cute. Yeah, she was She was really great. And she just like, we were like, we can speak in French or in English. And she just went off sometimes in French if she like couldn't express herself. And I just like really appreciated like that we provided a platform like that and how comfortable she felt to do that. Yeah, what I really liked about Manol's interview was the fact that she, it's like her, what would you say? It's her first year pro. She won two 70.3s and she's already here in Kona. So I think she has a pretty bright future, that one. Mm-hmm. Feisty. Feisty. Okay, I'm going to give you my top three. Are you ready? Okay. In third position from this morning at the pool, we did our live, I did a live video with Julie Moss. So I really enjoyed meeting Julie. I got to ask her about the 1982 race where she crawled to the finish line firsthand. So I appreciated being able to do that. And I also asked her about nutrition changes from then till now, which I was really curious about. Yeah. Was that inspiring for you? Yeah, I also, the thing I liked about it is, is how feisty she is. Like, I'm sorry, we're overusing the word feisty, but she really is like a very, would you say? She's like, she's on fire, you know, and she had stuff to say. And I loved it. Yeah, she sounded really smart. And she overused the word feisty, I think. <laughs> she did. Okay, in my number two position, because I'm counting down, um, I have Jocelyn McCauley, who, the, the thing that I like about Jocelyn and the way that she interviews and, and talks is that she really backs herself. And I think that's really what you need to succeed in sport in general, but in this sport and especially here in Kona. So it was really fun. And she likes to laugh. She likes to laugh with me. And we share a sense of humor. So I always appreciate someone who I think is funny and who thinks I'm funny. Yeah, she also has a daughter the same age. Maybe that's a thing. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's the connection. And in my number one, Sarah True who choreographed her own hula intro. (laughs) So that was my favorite part that she like came with like good ideas, videography, solid videography ideas. Also, I had never met Sarah, but we had shared a coach at one stage. I feel like I've been kind of, I've like circled around Sarah and my career and never met her. So I got to ask her all the questions. So I loved it. It's true. She did kind of take over. She was like, okay, you wanted to do this. Let's do this instead. (laughs) That's true. And I liked it. I liked it. Okay, so Ashley, real quick now, who do you think were the best? So we we danced the hula with every single person that we interviewed, right? Yeah, every single one, except for Meredith Kessler, because we danced actually with her baby, Mac. True. Oh, we didn't dance hula with Rennie, because we had a sort of shortened time, so we eliminated the hula. Yeah, I did the interview with my backpack on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, who were your top three best hula dancers go you go first on this one okay all right i'll go first so in number three position i'm going to put lionel sanders (laughs) and we we interviewed him very first last week on our live feisty facebook page not the iron women page and he uh was really really terrible like it was amazing how bad he was and for that reason i love that he was up for the challenge also he played the ukulele in the intro so he gets bonus points for that so that's my number three um, in number two position, Sarah True. Sarah True's on all of my lists, by the way. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> um, she was actually actually had like some good 
hip action. So I'm giving her some bonus points. And my number one best hula dancer is Ashley Wiles. Well, thank you. I got to make a list on the Coda podium. Sweet. Sweet. And you actually are good at hula dancing. Okay, Ashley, what are your three top favorite hula dancers? I actually didn't write a list, Sarah, because I got to dance with every single person and I got to teach them. So I would just really be, think I was a bad teacher if I had to name a top three. Oh, really? But you're, you're students. You don't get to like, you can rank your students. That's okay. I don't know if it is. I would be picking favorites. But I do, like, Sarah True kind of came with her own feist. And she, like, she said she danced salsa in the past, so she already had the hips. Julie Moss also, like, that was fun. Yeah, I, you know, I can't pick favorites. I can't. Okay. Okay. We'll leave it at that. Okay, so, oh, do you do you pick favorites of your students? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not on a podcast. <laughs> Okay, you make a good point. Point taken. Okay, folks, Ashley and I are going to come back after the interview. But for now, we're going to hand you over to Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura, the women you've been waiting for. And they're talking to Emily Cox. So Emily is an ex-pro triathlete, and she's also the co-host of the triathlon preview show, which is what makes her an expert on all of the things about all of the competitors here in Kona. Um, and she's also an awesome person. So let's listen to Alyssa and Haley talk to Emily, and we'll see you after. Crave Jerky is back as a sponsor of the Iron Women podcast. Crave Jerky is low in fat, a good source of protein, gluten-free, and contains all natural ingredients. Crave meat snacks are made with tender, gourmet cuts of meat and crafted flavors with elevated yet simple ingredients. My favorite flavors include sweet chipotle beef, black cherry barbecue pork, and chili lime beef. You can try one of Crave's bold, tender flavors when you use the code IRONWOMEN to get 20% off at CraveJerky.com. Wahoo is dedicated to the journey of every athlete from a sprint to Ironman. Wahoo is with you every pedal stroke, every stride, and every trying moment with the commitment to make you better. As endurance athletes themselves, Wahoo provides an ecosystem of products, including Kicker Smart Trainers, Element Bike Computers, and Ticker Heart Rate Monitors to provide exactly what you need to reach the finish line and smash your training goals. Hi, Emily. Welcome back to Iron Women. It's crazy to think that it's been a little over a year now, I think, since we last talked kind of predictions and picks for the world championships coming up. So welcome back and thank you for coming in as our impromptu expert on this topic. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be back. I always love to talk a little bit of predictions and how the race is going to play out with you guys. And so I guess we would love to just kind of jump right into it and we'll start diving in and giving opinions and everything else. And from, you know, a high level, how do you see this year's race playing out? Right. So there's been a lot of talk about the form that Daniela is in right now. And do you think anyone can challenge her this year? Uh, I, I mean, I don't like saying things like, no, no one can challenge her, but I feel like if she performs up to her potential, it's really hard for someone to challenge her because she's just so strong across the board. That said, I think so much can happen out in Kona that you just, you never know. I mean, we've seen it this week. We've seen people coming down with injuries or, you know, they're sick or they have a mechanical. So I think there's a lot of things at play, but if, she performs up to her ability. I think it'll be a really good race for second, 
through those 10th place spots. You know, I just, she's just so good, especially on the bike and they're on the bike for four and a half to five hours. That's a lot of time to get a lot of minutes ahead. And to remind people kind of how it played out last year with her though. Right. So it was the end of the, I want to say it was like the last 10 K of the bike, right? When, before she caught Lucy Charles, Lucy was leading until that point or was it earlier? It might've been like between 20 and 40 K's out or something like that. I think it was Lucy and Lauren Brandon out in front, which I don't see a change this year. I believe they'll be out in front as well. Um, it's just a question of when Daniela catches them, but yeah, Daniela kind of just didn't make a move until very late and maybe she didn't feel great on the bike. I also think that if they have a tailwind heading out to Javi, it's easier for everybody to stay together and it would be silly for like Daniela to kind of drag everybody along. Um, so she kind of waited to attack until there was wind. So I think the wind plays a factor. Like if it's super windy, she might go earlier and make time up earlier. Emily, let's talk about the return of Marinda Carfrey. So th- former three-time Kona champion, um, she sat out last year's race while she, after the birth of her child, and but now she is back. She's won races at Santa Rosa 70.3, Augusta 70.3, and she was a runner-up at Ironman Cans. So what do you think about Rinnie, you know, back on the big island this year? I mean, it's hard to bet against her, too. I mean, she's always run really strong there, and that's the key to a good race in Hawaii. And I also think she's good at just doing her thing and not getting caught up in the whole big island thing like we see it on social media right now right like it's a thing and I think there's vanity workouts going on and and all that stuff and she just doesn't get caught up in it and I think even now more with having her baby like she's just having a good time and I think that leads to a relaxed approach which is good and then when she gets out of there on the race course we've seen her like she's been swimming the you know generally the same biking really well. And then, you know, has her typical run. So she can put that all together and run a 250 off the bike. Like, yeah, I mean, she's never finished off the podium except for the one year that she DNF'd after she had the incident with the car before the race. And talking about Rinnie actually brings us to kind of, we can talk to our listeners a little bit about what some people do to prep. And Emily, I don't know how much you pay attention to this, like just seeing kind of who's where for their last little Kona build. Right. So I thought it was funny that Rinnie and her husband, Tim O'Donnell, you know, they had put out kind of a call to their social media and I don't know how much they actually let these people weigh into their final pick for their destination of where they should do their Kona prep. They wanted somewhere like hot and humid, And somewhere that would be, I think, you know, they said like cost of living, ideally, probably not like huge, that kind of thing. And they didn't want to go to Kona for it. It sounded like, um, they didn't want to travel too far and they ended up, is it, was it Branson or it was one of these places that used to have the right, Lawrence, Lawrence, Kansas. Kansas. Okay. Yeah. And so we got to see a little bit of insight from, from that place, which I think just is super unique, but at the same time, you know, again, we don't know what social media showed, but it seemed like a place that allowed them to just kind of stay and do their own thing. Like you were saying, like they're really good at just doing their own thing. Right. And then I know we've seen, let's see, where else do we see people kind of prep for this race? I think Emma Pallant was out in, um, Lanzarote and people often though go to, Kona quite a bit ahead of time. And there's just a lot of everyone has a different, you know, armchair expert, I guess, giving them their opinion about how early you need to go, what kind of prep you need to do. 
but it's always interesting to see how that weighs in. So I'm kind of interested to see how Rennie and Tio's little training camp did for them in, in that place that probably no one really suggested. <laughs> the Wizard of Oz place. I think Sarah Pompiano, if I'm not mistaken, has spent some time in Lawrence and it's probably a good college town and definitely humid and windy. And I remember doing, I did a race in Kansas once and those hills are kind of like the hills that you find at the far end of the bike course in Kona. Like they're long enough that you lose your momentum halfway up. So it, I think it's probably a good place to go. And I think it was easy for them to get to. And I think that's important being able to just get down there, do something at sea level and then get right back up to Boulder and then go to Augusta and race. And I mean, that's the key right now is just making it easy and not spending extra energy doing things. And that's why I think sometimes like training and then resting in Kona is so hard because you train hard in Kona and then you go right into race week and it's nuts. I mean, you guys know, and I just think it's really hard, like unless you're prepared to really rest in Kona, I think you have to rest more going into that race than any other race. Just, it's just so hot there. It's hard to get rested and stay hydrated. Emily, when you talk about these vanity workouts, I want to, can you name some names? Who do you think is, uh, posting too many vanity workouts and, uh, might be, uh, harming their chances on the big Island. You can name men or women. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say it's more on the men's side right now. <laughs> um, one of it, Lionel Sanders. Um, so anyway, but you, I always, when people say I've had the best buildup ever, I've done the most running miles in my life that like makes me go, Oh no, like this could be not good. I just think it's too easy to like go just a little bit over the edge. And I, I mean, you really just have to keep in mind, it's just another race and you just need to do your normal stuff that gets you prepared. Like it's really nothing special in that sense. I mean, it is, but you know what I'm saying? And Emily, there's going to be a lot of new faces on the start line in Kona this year. So some of the Kona rookies we have include ITU superstars, Sarah True and Ann Hogg. We have last year's 70.3 world championships runner up, Emma Pallant. Ironman cans champ, Teresa Adams, who beat Rennie this year there. And so there, and there's a few, plenty of others too. So how do you think they'll do? Is there anyone that stands out to you in that list who can really kind of hit it out of the park? You think? I think if Annie Haug, I mean, I think her nutrition was a little bit off maybe and pacing. And I think she got freaked out because didn't she get a flat in Frankfurt? So she might have chased hard to kind of catch up because it was her one chance to qualify. I think if she gets that dialed, she's someone who could run really well. I think it'll be important for her to just like everybody else to do her own race. She's going to come out of the water with a lot of people. So it makes it easy to get caught up in that. Like, okay, what's she doing? Is she going hard now? Is she going hard later? Like, should I stay with this group? Should I ride by myself? That's another thing I see with Emma Pallant. I think she's new to this and I don't want to say, I don't want to not immature, but just less experienced on this stage. And so I get worried that she'll get too excited, but I could be wrong. And then Sarah True, she had such a good run in Frankfurt. If she can do a, a 254 in Kona, I mean, that'll put her way up. And she's, you know, going to come out with the main group on the swim. I mean, it'll be Brandon and Charles and then probably, you know, Sarah True and Liz Blatchford and Teresa Adams, who you mentioned. She's kind of my 
I'm giving it away now. She's like my dark mare. I think people are going to forget about her. And I think she's really good at just kind of zoning out and doing her thing. So Emily, you alluded to the conditions in Kona. And as we all know, Kona is known for being hot and windy, but some years are just hotter and windier than others. So who do you think would benefit the most from an extra windy day? And what about if Madame Pele turns up the heat? Ooh, extra windy day. I really think that would help Daniela Reef. I just think she's so strong, not that she needs more help, but she's so strong in the wind. Another person who I think could do well in the wind. Again, I, Teresa Adam, her bike position is just so good. Um, I think that's good for her. And Lucy Charles is also looking really good at her bike position has changed, changed a bit. And she's working with the, um, ever popular time trial guy, Matt Botterill, that everybody seems to be working with right now. He's like the hot guy as far as that as TT goes. So I think those, those three, did I say three people would be good. Heat, Miranda and Haug, um, Heather, we haven't talked about Heather Jackson, you know, she's finished what fifth, third and fourth. So, and she's always kind of, she's been good about doing her own race. So if it gets hot, I think she'll be patient. Heat benefits those who are patient. And Emily, you talked a little bit about kind of people who come out of the water with a group and we know like Lauren Brandon and Lucy Charles will probably be out of the water first and ahead of people. And so Haley, this question is actually for you, right? So Talk about like the tactics on the big island. So as someone who has raced as a pro there, you know, I can speak from the age group perspective. Tactically, it it absolutely is different when you're racing against that field there. But do you feel like tactics in the women's race on the big island are different than other races that you've done? Yes. I, well, I think the swim matters a bit more than other races just because it is a hard swim. I mean, it's an ocean swim. It can be really choppy and it like Emily alluded to, you kind of, you have a lot of high level people. So you kind of come out in these groups and the women's field is deep enough that people are able to ride together. And that is like such a psychological benefit. I mean, there probably is an actual benefit, but if nothing else, you kind of are like, okay, like I'm riding with this person. I must be doing pretty good. And it can like work the other way too, where she alluded to how Rini, you know, rides her own race, Heather Jackson rides her own race. And those people don't always get caught up in the groups, but because sometimes you can kind of overshoot things and go too hard. And then you do see these blow ups in Kona. And, but I think if there's a race to risk things on, it is this one, it's the world championship. You might as well go for it. Yeah. I, I actually was thinking about that as far as the swim goes, like Brandon and Charles are going to be out in front and I feel like it's going to be a bigger group. Haley, you've been there. Like, does that second group, do you think they'll push each other or they'll just kind of look around and be like, okay, Liz Blatchford's here. Teresa Adams is here. Meredith Kessler's here. Like we're all together. And then they'll just kind of like get into transition together and wait, or are they going to like try to push the pace and keep the gap low to Charles and Brandon? So my experience last year, um, I was riding with Sarah Crowley and Annabelle Luxford and Daniela, and we did not really push the pace. We kind of were letting Lucy and Lauren go. And I think part of that was like Daniela's in the front. We're with Daniela, like who rides past Daniela? Like that's, I mean, it's, it's kind of one of those things and we weren't riding slow. I mean, it was probably, I was, you know, you know, probably at my limit and I didn't hang with them the whole way, but I think. Daniela was being patient. I think everyone was being patient. And you also kind of know, like, 
at that time, Lucy was kind of an unknown on her run. Lauren Brandon has run has come along, but she has, you know, struggled in the past. And so you're kind of thinking about who's around me and you have confidence in yourself too. Like, okay, I'm going to do a really good run. So if I can hang with these people and come out in the top, you know, 10, maybe I could run myself up there again. That's, if you're, I mean, if you're Daniela and you're going for the world championship, then it's probably a little bit different tactics than if you're me. I have another question. So (laughs) when you're out there, you know, in a normal Ironman as a pro, you're not, you're like, if you get an update of time or place or anything, it's like, you know, unheard of pretty much. I think it's just like kind of by luck. If you happen to have someone maybe with you traveling or something who can offer you that sort of information, is that different? Like, is, are there people out there on the motos kind of giving you information and how do we know how far back that goes? Oh yes. I mean, there's definitely people on motos. I'm trying to think, I mean, I had quite a few updates last year. Again, I was riding with a pretty good group. And so they were saying, you know, sometimes they will be like two ahead. They won't necessarily, they'll put like Charles and Brandon ahead. And then, you know, they'll have like three group of three. And then they might have like, you know, Heather Jackson is coming up and then you have like group of five, that kind of thing. So and are they saying that to you or is it written on like a whiteboard? It's written on a whiteboard and sometimes the person will say it. Um, the person on the moto will say, you know, like three minutes down or something like that. Um, and usually it's more splits to the people ahead or that's at least more of what I was concerned with, I guess. And then, um, I mean, I guess they give you some, like you can kind of see who's moving up, but I mean, I don't know how far back they go. I mean, I think it's probably, you know, the first 10 people maybe, um, unless maybe there's Rennie in there too. If Rennie's like further back and they'll like chart her coming up because I have been passed by Rennie and Kona and there are a lot of cameras on Rennie, even though she's pretty far back. <laughs> that makes sense. Do you know, random bit of trivia that Heather Jackson used to be the chalkboard girl? No way. Moto? Yeah. Yeah. So she's seen the race from there and then now she races it. So that's probably an advantage. That's probably good for her, man. Maybe I need to like adjust my picks. No, (laughs) Um, (laughs) that's uh, that's why Heather does so well. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Exactly. I have another kind of random, this is just a thought I have. I know I'm going off, off topic a little, but now that the Kona qualification has changed and basically after 10th, you get no money. Do you think there's going to be a difference in what's, and it used to be, you know, 11 to 15, you got a pretty good chunk of points for the next year to get back. That's kind of gone. Like once you finish out of 10th place, like you don't get anything, you don't even get help getting back. Um, and now you have to win an Ironman or finish top three at a regional championship to qualify. Do you think that'll change what happens, you know, after 10th place? Like, do you think people are going to drop out or is everyone still going to have that kind of same respect for the race and the Island and all that? I would, I mean, this is just, you know, a guess, but I'm guessing most people's sponsor contracts, if they're lucky enough to have a Kona clause in there, it's based on a bonus, hopefully for finishing at all. Like hopefully they have that. Right. So will people dial it back if they're out of the 10th place type of thing? You know, I wouldn't be surprised because we do know that a lot of people like to kind of set themselves up for a good next season and try and secure their spot right away. And so they might be wanting to race Cozumel or Arizona or Western Australia or something like that and might be like, okay, I just need to get to the finish line and call it a finish and and do that. But hopefully people respect the race enough to race it out, but I get it either way. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't place blame on that either way. 
What do you think, Haley? I think respect the race. I, I personally don't have any Kona clauses in any of my contracts, so it wouldn't help me that much just to finish. But I think that in this sport, there is a lot of value in finishing Kona. And I think even, even in finishing in 11th place, not making any money, not necessarily helping you get back. There's still, I mean, the women's field is really strong and to finish 11th is really impressive. And I think that can help you with sponsors and other kind of not the exact prize money, but other, you know, ways of bringing value that way. Yeah, I agree with you. I just kind of had that thought. And I mean, to that end is how strong this field is. We've been talking for what, 20 minutes and we haven't mentioned people who finished in the top 10 last year, you know, like Jocelyn McCauley and Carrie Lester and you have Meredith Kessler back and, you know, I mean, there, and the list goes on. There's just so many people, Michelle Vesterby, like there's so many people. It's Liz Blatchford. It's her last race. It's her retirement party. You know, I mean, so there, there are a lot of people. I mean, there's so many good women. It's really encouraging actually, I think. And kind of along those lines, one of the things I worry about with the new slot system is seeing, you know, 35 women qualify and not having 35 women race now that we don't have roll downs happening, you know, in the weeks before. And just in the last couple of weeks, we've had, uh, Mel Hauschildt and Annabelle Luxford both bow out of Kona and, um, I believe Holly Fredrickson has said she's injured, but still racing. So what do you think about that? Like just people, you know, getting injured in these last couple of weeks and how that might play out, especially with the new system. Like as far as them going to a different race or with like other or people just, like next year. Well, I mean, just one, why does this happen where people get hurt right before? <laughs> I mean, you kind of already said that like training too hard, maybe you're too focused on this or holding on when they know they have an injury, but you know, when you can't let your slot roll next year, are we going to see 35 women in Kona? Or are we going to see a lot fewer? I feel like there's a chance you see a lot fewer because they don't have a system in place to, you know, if someone takes a slot in November of this year and then, I mean, any number of things could happen. What are you going to do with that slot? Then it's there's just, no like alternates or wait list or anything. Like right. That. They should, they should have an alternate list or a way that it rolls. I mean, they, I think they, they should want to fill those slots. They should want a full field. And so I think they do need to come up with something. I mean, obviously, you know, you can't call people the week of the race and be like, Hey man, we got a slot. It's just, you know, you see that with WTS. I mean, people come get out cause they have injuries or they're sick and that's to be expected. But you know, if you're giving slots to people, eight months ahead and then something happens five months ahead, you can do something with that slot and maybe they would put it in later races, but that's not, I don't know how fair that is, you know, cause then you're benefited by waiting and then it's a gamble. I, I don't know. It'd they, be interesting needed- if it was like a wait list, like if your person who got the slot ahead of you, right. Like decides sure. in March, they don't want it anymore. Like you could get a call in March, like do you actually, you know, and like you're just next in line. I mean, that would probably be the most fair way to do it in theory. I would, I think like given my, my two minutes of contemplation on this, I think. Yeah. Cause you don't really have a ranking system as far as an actual know. wait list or alternates kind of list could go. Yeah. Right. Like there's no points anymore. You can't go off time cause every course is so different. So I, I think next year is going to be a big learning curve. I mean, and we've done the slot system before, but 
I think the field is deeper now and there's going to be more women fighting for those slots. Like I think about it, like you have to win an Ironman to go. I'm looking, I'm like, um, you know, there's so many women on this list that have won multiple Ironmans. It's not like you can just show up and like, it's guaranteed. I mean, it's tough. Well, I think that leads into our section of this where we'll discuss our picks. So what we'll do is, Emily, do you want to share a top three for the podium? And then we like to pick our dark mare pick, too. So someone that could surprise us and get in the podium or at least be kind of one of those names we don't expect to see up fighting for the top five or something like that. Yes, I will. I'm, I'm, this is kind of vanilla, but I'm going to go Reef, Carfrey, Charles. And then my dark mare, I've already alluded to her, is Teresa Adam. All right. Mine is kind of similar. I hit Daniela, Rennie, and then Sarah True. And then I'd pick Teresa Adam as my dark mare. But can we pick a – I should probably pick someone different, huh? Because that would make it more exciting. I'll do Maureen Hoof, the winner Ooh. of Ironman Austria. That's like a true dark mare, right? I don't, yeah. I'm, people wouldn't see her coming, so that would be kind of cool. I had – I had pretty much Emily's exact lineup, but I will change it up with my dark mare as well. And I'll go Lindsay Corbin. Yeah. She just had a great race in Wisconsin. My other one that I, Liz Blatchford, I think it's her last race, you know, in Kona and she announced her retirement. And I think it's like, I think there's an appreciation there and sometimes that lifts a weight off and you just go and, and do what you can do. And sometimes that turns out really well. Well, thank you so much, Emily. We love having you on, hearing your insight, and we will be anxiously watching the race this weekend and seeing how all of our picks do. Yep. Thanks for having me. I love chatting about that, this stuff. Ashley, I really enjoyed hearing what Emily and Alyssa and Haley had to say about kind of the dynamics of how the race was going to play out. I think that they made a lot of really interesting points, especially Haley's points being on the inside of the race last year, right at the front, you know, and just the swim dynamics and and about riding behind Daniela and saying, oh, who <laughs> who overtakes Daniela? Yeah, I actually laughed out loud at that part. Awesome. So their picks, I felt that their picks were a little boring. Did you? Yeah. Do you have interesting picks? I picked interesting things because mine are based on a lot different information. Okay. So I have to tell you that last year, Ashley won the picks on the Iron Women podcast. So I'm going to go first because mine are also boring. I tried to mix it up a bit. So for the podium in third place, I'm going to put Sarah True, number two, Miranda Carfrey, and number one, Daniela. And for my dark mare, I'm choosing Annie Haug. Yeah, the German. So she has, she's a bit under the radar. No one's paying attention, but I used to train with her and I know what a beast she can be on the bike and run. And that's what you need out here in Kona. So if she comes prepared and acclimatized for the heat, could be Annie's day. All right, Ashley, let's hear your unique and different picks. (laughs) Okay, well, instead of picking Daniela for the win, I'm going to pick Lucy for the win because She's been closing that gap with Daniela, and I think if she can get a big enough lead on and she knows Daniela's coming, I think that if she can hold her off for long enough, I think this race is really going to come down to who can run fastest. So I think Lucy has a really cool approach, and uh, I'm looking forward to watching that. So I'm picking Lucy for number one. And then, like I said, this is going to come down to a game of runners. So I'm going to pick Rinny for for two as well same as you but I'm gonna go for Kaisa for the podium 
Yeah, she's a super runner. She ran her way up into fifth. I don't think people see her coming. She's so little, and but she's very feisty. When we did the card game with her and how well do you know your competition, she knows her competition. Yes. She was like so quick with those cards, and so was her husband. So I feel like she's got that support system built in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, she was feisty. You're right. Never write off Kaisa. Good pick. Yeah, so I can't really pick Daniela for the dark horse. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> but we can put her in fourth. <laughs> putting Daniela in fourth. How interesting. You, we don't get a fourth place pick. <laughs> Move along. And then, and then for my dark mare, I put, you know, I really want to base these more on, I want I, I really want to base these more on who we interviewed versus like who said they wouldn't interview with us. <laughs> Fair enough. Interviewing with the Iron Women podcast is a very important part of your of Kona success. Yes, it's true. And so I, yeah, I had a really hard time with this dark mare because um, I picked Jody Robertson last year and and she didn't do well. I like Michelle Vesterby up there too. Vesterby is not a dark mare. She's gone top 10 like quite yeah, a few times. Yeah, she came fourth, sixth and eighth. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, so I'm going to go Liz, Liz Blatchford for my dark yeah, mare. Liz Bashford for Dark Mare. She's been third twice. Yeah, I know. That's not a Dark Mare. A Dark Mare has to be someone you don't see coming. She's been on the podium before. We saw her coming. <laughs> Meredith Kessler? Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that I can pick her. But I also really like Teresa Adams. She's somebody that I feel... I actually haven't interviewed her, which is why I didn't pick her for my Dark Mare, but I think I'll go with her. Okay, now we're picking Teresa Adams. Final decision. I feel like that's about a top 10. So there you go, friends. I managed to squeeze in my top 10. (laughs) Ashley's picked all the people. (laughs) Okay, folks, I hope you enjoyed this combined episode of Ashley, myself, Alyssa, Haley, and Emily Cox. And we are looking so forward to watching the race on Saturday. We'll bring you all the action, everything that happened uh, next week on the podcast. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you soon. I'm basically a fan of everybody, Sarah. (laughs) I hear you, Ashley. Me too. This is a special song. It's me and my friend's song that we made ourselves. This song is called Here I Am. Get ready for the chorus. I am here now you cannot take me. I will stand up this whole entire time. I am strong now you cannot beat me. I will stand up because I am here. The Iron Woman Podcast is a live, feisty media production. Our hosts are Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chara, and our awesome editors, Aaron Hamilton. Thanks again to our sponsors, Crave Jerky, FTC Nutrition, Rudy Project, and Smash Fest Queen. <laughs>